0: Welcome to the Hotball with me, Eamon Fennell, courtesy of AIG and Dublin GAA. On this episode, you're in for a real treat. We have John, Coach Kavanagh, who comes on to share some of his insights about how to train, how to prepare, discipline towards achieving what you want to achieve, and a whole lot more stuff. I I got a lot out of it personally, but I'm I'm sure you will enjoy it too. Here we go. John, welcome to the hot ball with AIG and Dublin GA. Look, I want to thank you for coming on. I know you're, you're busy with a lot of things at the moment, uh, trying to get your gym open again. So how, first and foremost, before we kick into things, how are you going with that? Is things coming along nice and smooth or loads of headaches? Yeah. Well,
1: first of all, uh, thank you much. It's a great honour to be invited on, on here to speak with yourself. The last few months have definitely been trying. Uh, I've been trying to keep in touch with the team, and you know the guys that sign up to do fights. The part of the training they enjoy is the MMA fighting, and you know the grappling and boxing and close quarter stuff, partner stuff. And the last couple of months have been um, training alone and running up and down mountains, which uh, they don't particularly enjoy doing. But but sure, look, we all had to do things, and uh, we're we're almost on the other end of it. kind of eased them back in in the last couple of weeks. We've started doing some uh, partner drills and solo drills, and then we're back to kind of full training on the 20th. Um, so, yeah, we're almost there, and uh, I'm looking forward to getting back to proper
0: training. But well, Like, with the return to play for GAA coming back now, and when you look at the stats around the increase of injuries with return to play... Uh, Like I I know from a GA point of view, club championship is kicking off now. The NFL, NBA, obviously the soccer is back. MMA didn't really seem to stop. It just seemed to continue in a different format. But with your athletes, the risk of injury must be a million times higher now with just the sheer level of contact within the sport.
1: Yeah, I actually shared a tweet there from a surgeon in the um, Sanitary Sports Clinic which uh, we all have to visit at some stage during a career. <laughs> I have, and, I have um, a, like, I saying,
0: have, I have a coupon card for you have a loyalty card, do you?
1: <laughs> Four surgeries and the fifth one is free.
0: Um, <laughs> Not far off, but
1: but uh, yeah, he, he. I see. He tweeted there only last week saying he's already had to seen uh, a rise in ACL surgeries and sports were literally back like one week, and he'd already had to. Th- he'd already done a bunch of them so I'd uh, shared that with my own team to say look you've got to respect your body respect the fact that even if you have kept up um you know solo fitness training that's a hell of a lot different than being hit from the side being hit from funny angles you know you guys turning on a on a dime being able to change direction and you know being able to put power into different areas so with my with my fighters we're going from like i said kind of running up and down mountains to having a guy tackle your leg or throw you on your head or, you know, you're trying to, you're trying to push off from weird angles. So um, I've been strict with them on, on a many uh, minutes of live training. We do like full on resistance training that we're easing back into that. And it's mostly I'm sticking with predictable style, predictable type drills where you and your partner know what each other's going to do. Again, not the most exciting part. The exciting part is when you're boxing someone, you don't know what's coming and you're trying to hit him and he's trying to hit you. But, um, you know, there's just too many things that can go wrong with that type of training if you're kind of the proprioceptors and the muscles are not firing the right way. Um, like I, I warned my guys and then I shared that tweet from that orthopedic surgeon.
0: So I'm, I'm hoping they will listen a little bit. To me. <laughs> well, I suppose the biggest muscle of it all is the ego, like trying to park the ego about... Like, when you get into the ring, like, you can't do – well, you can do it, but you, you put yourself at just such a high risk. And even from a GEA point of view, like, when we step onto the pitch and someone throws a football, you naturally just want to get straight into playing games. But, uh, like, even from our point of view, I've seen a lot of people just – and I'm guilty of it myself, by the way, I can put my hand here. We co- – we're coming back just too soon and trying to get to the levels – We wanted to, and when you've been out of it for so long, you obviously you think you're so far off the pace, which you forget. Probably everyone else is at the same level that you're at. So my this is my shout out to everyone. Just be careful when they're coming back into play. Uh, But it's good to hear that the gyms opening back up, though.
1: Yeah, yeah. Next Monday, um, there's some changes have to be made, but sure. Look, kind of like what you said there. We're all in the same boat. Everybody's coming back. We all have to. Accept the new norm. You know, it's not. It's not waiting for things to go back to how they were. So that this is how things are now, and this is this is how we deal with them. And we continue to follow the uh, directions handed down by our dear leaders, <laughs> and um, just get back to get back to doing what we can, as much as we can.
0: Well, I, I, I think the positive thing is at least all your athletes will have loads of energy because we've all been carb loading for the last four months now anyway, so uh, <laughs> I'm kind of preparing for this without really knowing. <laughs> Lots of carbs, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know the your link with the GEA really came through, just your background in MMA with, with training here on McGeaney. With the likes of he's such a such an athlete like you know he's uh just so disciplined in terms of preparation uh, he's so disciplined in terms of his approach to matches to games and i was lucky enough and fortunate enough to kind of witness that at, at a really macro level but uh i suppose having trained with him and having seen him come up through the years how have you seen now that correlate into other ga players has it been McGinny—that's kicked off your love for GAA, or has it been the likes of with Philly, the work you're doing with them, or where has that all stemmed from?
1: Yeah, it definitely came from Kieran to begin with. Um, I got very lucky that I met him. Uh, it's around about ten years ago, and it was kind of at the same time that you know a bunch of fighters that I had, and Connor's an obvious one. He would have been twenty or twenty-one. And he was just starting to get to a very high national level. And we were kind of on the brink of starting to go to the European uh, level and then obviously world level. And I met Kieran, and I had no background in sports, sports science, or um, coaching at any kind of high level. And um, I came from, I was a bit of a narrative, engineering, and uh, that, 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 that's where I came from. And um, so I was able to lean on him a lot in the early days about structure and training. And his like you know his mindset. I, I it's always funny when I meet a when I meet a GAA guy and, and I mentioned that I, I know Kieran, they all have a a bit of a hushed reverence for him, and, and they all have a Kieran story. Or oh, there was this time, or did you hear about this time? Yeah. And um, you know, when my first meeting with him was, uh, he booked a private lesson with me, and I had no idea who it was. And I walked into the gym, and a few guys are kind of elbowing me and going. You know who that is you're going to train with now, don't you? And I was, no, I, I didn't. Well, I knew by the end of that error, trust me on that. We, uh, <laughs> I kind of have a bit of a drill I do that makes people, usually attire tiresome quite quickly if they're not used to it, even though they might be fit in other areas, but it's a kind of a wrestling drill that I know how to cheat on, but other people don't if they don't know how to do it. So they're usually very inefficient at it. And, you, you know, you'll blow a gasket in five minutes, six minutes. I did this, I did it with him for just under 40 minutes and then I said okay I'm done I, I, I'm 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 <laughs> I'm and, it. and uh, uh, we very quickly just started training I basically trained him pretty much every day from that from that day on for the last decade and um I certainly got a huge amount out of him um yeah it was between him and then a very good strength and conditioning guy a guy called Owen Lacey from the Irish Strength Institute and they sort of changed their whole approach to you know proper like again, phasing training, you know, if you have a 12 week, if you have a fight, in 12 weeks time, it's breaking that into three, four week blocks and not peaking too early and not overtraining and, and proper nutrition. And, and all of those things were kind of alien to us like 10 years ago when we kind of began our international run. So very, very lucky to meet Kieran and only Lacy at the of the Irish Strength Institute. And um yeah, it just came at the right time. It was one of those things that i was just very lucky with.
0: And, and getting involved then with Dublin GEA, kind of that sparked later on. You like you were obviously so disciplined towards your goals and your ambitions and focusing on your sport. But when you're around people like Kieran and you see the success he's had, I'd imagine it just kind of rubs off you to kind of see a bit more about the sport in general and yeah. how people prepare for it. And you were kind of telling me that you jumped on the bandwagon at just the perfect time with Dublin GAA?
1: I like to think I maybe kind of started that whole run. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Take the credit. It was yeah. actually funny.
1: <laughs> it was kind of funny because my first time um, going to uh, like a big, a big game and uh, not not my first, not my first Dublin game, but it was just, it was a big, biggish game and I went with Kieran. and at that time we were kind of getting known around Dublin, you know, like Connor was winning a few kind of national titles, and a few of my guys were starting to do well. And the odd person would stop me and be like, "Oh, you know, good look at the team or whatnot." And then I went to a big game with Kieran McGinley, and I got to see what an actual famous person. <laughs> 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 it's like to be around the real. You know, people were dropping onto one knee and tip of the hat, and, and uh, I was like, "Oh my God, this this scene is huge here." You know, there was ten thousands of people at the games, and it was. It was a real shock to me because we were still coming from venues with 500 people or a thousand people, and then suddenly you're walking into a park with 20,000, 50,000, 70,000. It was it was a real eye opener for me. And then um, my my incredibly enough, my first ever Dublin game was uh, was number one of the five in a row series. <laughs> uh, it was actually kieran got me tickets. Me and my dad went along, and again that was such an eye opener for me to go in there. the the volume of the crowd and the passion of the fans, the passion of the players. And uh, I've been very, very lucky that I've managed to go to, um, go to the five now, five in a row. So, um,
0: so the James trick James is, we James. need to get you a ticket for every All Ireland final. It's basically fortunately that
1: does seem to be the uh, <laughs> the winning formula. So uh, yep, you got
0: you got to keep them coming. <laughs> I'll take that up with Mossy and AIG and see what we can do. I appreciate that. I'm sure there's I a few strings. Me and the twenty thousand other people harassing harassing
1: <laughs> you guys for tickets on, on game day. Yeah,
0: well, <laughs> I'm sure if if anyone knows about the joys of trying to get tickets for big games, big plays, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's you. So. I've gotten a few texts in my day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's really interesting to hear when I when I talk to people like Philly McMahon, who had a natural love for the sport, and uh, I, I I trained with Philly for a good bit, especially during the winter. And I remember when I used to rock down to the, he had the gym in Ballymun, Ga Club up in the attic, which isn't. The most glamorous place to train, but when you used to go in on a on a Monday morning in November or December at six or five a.m. and see the mats on the floor, you'd go, oh, no, he's going to kill me." Uh, (laughs) But in in terms of as you spoke about your fitness, and I actually think it's really good to do something other than just the sport you're in. Like I've obviously. uh, with well, my background haven't been suspended for a year I played soccer I went into calisthenics I did a few different kind of events and exercises and, and training programs just to kind of mix things up but yeah. I'm sure you've seen a bit of a you know, in, in the winter months when the seasons are quiet, some like GA lads or soccer lads or whatever, just other sports trying to get involved in MMA just to one see it, but two to do something different from what they're used to then as well.
1: Yeah, um we will keep this conversation between us. But what's happened over this period is about once every three months or so, Kiron would march in a player. And it might have been when he was with Kildare or with or sometimes like just someone from from Cork team. And I don't know how Kieran convinces them to come up, but he'll he'll say to them, "Oh, you know, come come along for an introductory lesson." But he'll bring the guy along to one of my like advanced classes where it's all very experienced guys. And I'd be saying to Kieran, "You know, well, you know, the guy's kind of learning a few of the basics for it No, I'd be fine. I'd be fine. I'll, I'll partner with him." And it would just be like ninety minutes of Kieran trouncing this poor fella, and I don't know what he did to deserve it. And at the end, they were like, Kieran like, I don't know if he really learned that from that." And he's like, "No, he, he got what he, he got. What I wanted them to get out of this." And I was like, "Oh,
0: there's I a lot of money in there." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Uh, no. no,
1: I've done, I've done a fair bit. I've been very lucky that he's brought in some of the compromise rules teams, the Caldera team, the Arma, and then I've, I've done a bit with the Masters with Peter Finn, the Dublin team, and. Uh, I don't know what you call them, masters or, or veterans or no like, masters, yeah, masters. yeah. Masters, <laughs> I take that. Uh, I'm, we'll I'm call them masters, masters too, with geriatrics
0: yeah. when we're in the pool, yeah.
1: <laughs> very good, um, and and it's always been it's always been a real pleasure. Just, it's um it's fun just teaching guy, a group of guys that are uh, very physically there, but it's they're doing something completely different. They're doing something completely new. And it's always my first kind of introduction is, look, you don't have to tense every muscle in your body doing every single movement today, but you will. <laughs> you know, and it, I kind of say to them, look, in some of these positions, you got to imagine you're, you're waltzing with a girl. That's, you don't break her back holding her so tight and your shoulders up and you're holding your breath. And uh, I do think it's a very valuable lesson when you try to do something completely outside of your comfort zone, and you see just how inefficient you are with your musculature, your breathing, your posture, and then you can take that, hopefully that kind of lesson comes away, and you realize, well, maybe I'm 80% of the time good, but maybe 20% of the time, maybe sometimes I'm being held on the ground, or I'm being held in a funny angle, and I do go into that state of tension, and it's those positions that tire people very, very quickly, and you can be As fit as hell, you can run all day long. But if you try to drive with your handbrake on and your brake on, well, it won't matter. You're still going to burn out the engine. And I'd have to actually say um, I've been very interested in watching the Dublin team because I think they do it better than anybody. And when I was getting into the game and I was starting to get a little bit of understanding of it, I always kind of found it funny. And I noticed there's one other sports team, the the, the Patriots, that the real fans – You'd be down at the halfway mark, and they'd all go, ah, that's we always do that, and we'll get them in the second half. And sure enough, it, it, was, it seemed to always happen. And I believe that was down to being more efficient, so that in that last 15, you know, 25% of the game, the Patriots and the Dublin team, they both seemed to have an extra gear available to, the, to them then. And I think it's a mistake that the other teams are looking at them going, okay, well then find out what their running schedule is and we're going to mimic that and that's what's going to get us to that level of um, ability in that final 25%. And I don't think it's nothing to do with that. I think if you get just like a basic treadmill test, you probably, all all the teams, all the county's teams are probably not that much of a difference. Um, But I do think there's a mindset that you guys have that's that's almost unique uh, amongst all, all the teams and um, I got to see some of that in action while I was while I was working with some of the different teams, and and that that I think it's a very interesting area for you guys to explore even more as time goes on. I,
0: uh, yeah, and like as you as you were talking, I, I, I'm I've started getting into open water swimming, and I noticed for the first fifty meters my breathing's good, but then when a the wave comes, it hits me, my breathing just goes out the window. And I tense up and I do everything I was told not to do, so. Yeah, there's little bits we can take from trying something new. But to bring that into the world of, of, of Dublin GAA, I remember listening to an interview that you spoke about the yin and the yang and that you have to have the balance of being able to like physically prepare for something and getting the body right and going through a fight and then to kind of step away and recover and make sure that you're getting into the right headspace to get prepare yourself to go again. And if you look at, you pointed it out with Dublin GEA, they have this ability, like when they're thrown in different scenarios and different situations to be able to adapt and move the ball around, move the players around, have different kind of game plans. If you were kind of preparing a team now at the moment to come up against Dublin, so no, you're no longer in the stand on all Oregon final day, we're after putting you on the sideline next to McGeaney. Uh, how would you set them up to try and combat that Dublin approach of just being able to mix and match different kind of scenarios? Is it all mental or is it physical?
1: Well, look, I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm, I don't want to embarrass myself and try and give tactics in, in football, but well, I'll, I'll bring it back to my, my sport. So if we're preparing for a big contest, uh, a bit of Sun Tzu here, that you, if you know yourself but you don't know your opponent, you win half the battles and vice versa. So you've got to know what your opponent's strengths are, but you've also got to know what your own strengths and weaknesses are. And if you know your opponent and you know yourself, you'll, you'll never lose a battle. So there's definitely the technical side of things. And like I said, I, I won't embarrass myself trying to talk about the technical side of things of a game. But certainly, my I guess my the, the biggest observation I, I made, and I'm, I'm only going to repeat myself here, is just the difference in that last 25%. So I'd be interested in doing some of the drills with the players when they're in that last 25%. So when they're, if we can kind of match the energy levels in a base, you know, you bring them out on the pitch and you get them to that state of mind where they're in their last 25% of energy. And then let's see, can they do the simple things right? Because that's what the difference is, is in fighting. Everybody's a tough guy for round one. Everybody in on the planet is a tough guy for round one. And from a technical point of view, everybody will bring their hands back to the right place, the shoulders up, chin down. They'll, they'll, their punches will be correct. And then you look at them in round three and they look like uh, a, a guy outside uh, coppers on a Saturday night <laughs> on Haymakers, you know? The, the form goes out the window. <laughs> 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 I'm trying to use terminology that be understood by everybody. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Now that works. That definitely <laughs> works. So I guess what, I, what, what in my training, what I'm, what I'm careful of doing is that I'll do a live training while the technique is sharp, and for some guys they 're going to be able to do that for two rounds, so for some guys more than that. but once I see that the, the technique is starting to be done, to be done uh, incorrectly then i 'll stop the live training because you don't want to get into your into your you know the neural pathways these wrong way, these wrong movement patterns and fighters will work a certain way you know most of our fights are three rounds they'll work a, in a very t- correct way round one round two less correct and then round three is terrible so we want to make sure that we get three first rounds out of them as best as we possibly can and i think what happens is in the gym they do a lot of three round simulation fights and round three is usually poor but they'll just work their way through it you know let's just get it done and it's like no you, that's not the idea the idea is that the, the fundamentals it's the simple things that were done in round one correctly bringing the hands back to the chin, proper stance, proper positioning, that that is mimicked in round three. So I guess my point is if you're going to round three and you're unable to do that, stop the training, stop the training. Instead, let's do a blowout with some, you know, burpees or some, uh, Tabata or whatever. And when the breathing is back normal, when, when the training, when you're, when you're able to, again, do correct technique, then go back to live training. It's kind of like, you know, uh, if you're doing Olympic lifting, you don't do Olympic lifting for endurance work. Olympic, lift, the Olympic lifting is so technical. And if you start doing that incorrectly, you know, you're gonna mess yourself up for a start. Yeah, speak yeah. to some CrossFit people. Um, but you definitely don't wanna be doing like cleans for, for cardio training. You wanna pick a more simple exercise that the form is easier to maintain even when you're very tired. And MMA fighting uh, and uh, your, your sport, football is so technical that you don't want to be trying to do technique technical things when you're in a very fatigued state because you'll, you'll, you're starting to program your brain. Oh, okay, I'm feeling tired. Okay, well, that's when I drop my shoulders. That's when I swing the haymakers. No, 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 no. Even when you're feeling that way, that's even more. It's even become more important now to do the simple things right. And uh, even with my absolute novice white belt, eye, I, I could see that in, in the Dublin games. You could almost set your stopwatch. You know, I'd see, okay, we're in that last 25%. Now watch the other team start to do sloppy passes, not, not bend down in the right way to pick up the ball, not get into certain positions where they can score. It was bizarrely predictable to me. So I would, if I was uh, to become a turncoat, I would, <laughs> I would watch your guys' last, you know, 15 minutes, last 10 minutes of your last 20 games. And just look at the amount of un- unforced errors that are made Yeah, no, um, well, as compared to other teams.
0: Well, actually, funny enough that you mentioned that I'm actually reading a book now. It's called Neuro Linguistic Programming, about like that fight or flight and creating habits that you kind of get into, like uh, where you're on autopilot. Yes. And yeah, like uh, I remember taking it back to when I was with Dublin. We were failing towards the last few minutes of the game. So if you look at uh, the 2008-2009 games, we got beat badly in Crow Park actually made a show of. And it was the last 15-20 minutes where we faded. Fast forward to 2010, we lost in the last few minutes against Cork. And then 2011, Mickey Whelan, who was our coach, invested so much time at the end of training So it was a nightmare because we never knew when training was going to end. So, you know, like usually it's play a game, that warm down, away you go. It would be play a game, then you do 20 sprints, then you do a tackle box, then you play a five-minute game, then you might do a scenario situation and you're like, oh, my God, when are we going to get home? But what we didn't know was it was obviously leading us into it's never over. Like, you always have more in you. But what you're kind of saying now is in that – neuro-linguistic programming about creating habits what you deem success is being able to do what you did in round one in round three so you know like when if I'm talking to a player now and what I'm getting at is you know if you can't do what you were doing in the first 15 minutes or first 20 minutes of a game you need to assess your situation to be able to say why am I slacking why am I kicking bad balls why am I doing all this and then break it into that kind of, okay, what was I doing then? What do I need to do now? But the hard part for all that, John, is people's egos, you know, because I'm sure when you're in a fight, it's a lot different anyway. You wanna just, if you're starting to get tired, you're just gonna throw these haymakers. But if you said to your athletes, what I quantify for success is being able to do what you did in round one, in round three, then the result will look after itself but we need to get that right so it's nearly taking the result away and just getting the stepping stones in place to get there is it
1: A 100% so uh, you you you're really nailing it there with the language because I'm I'm over the years I've realized <laughs> that we should become a system obsessed and not goal obsessed and I think at the start the the result um, the goals, they they become everything, and the problem with achieving a goal is is that sometimes you're left a little bit like, well, I don't really know what to to do next. And I, I know a, a lot of people in in air industry, in air world, they may do some con- uh, consultation for like I'll say civilians on weight loss. That that's a huge one. I think half of the messages I get are from from women saying, oh, I see your fighters lose tremendous amounts of weight and lead it to combat. <laughs> Like weddings in six weeks' time, how do I lose 10 kilos? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I'll
0: give out your answers, don't I? <laughs> we've,
1: we've all been, anybody in the sort of fitness industry has been pulled to one side at some stage and being asked, how do I lose 10 kilos? And that to me is a goal oriented question. Okay, so in six weeks' time, you're going to hit, if you're 65 kilos now, you're going to be 55 kilos. You step on the scales, bang, you're 55 kilos, boom, I made my goal. What's that person going to weigh one week from now? 65 kilos, yeah. they're going to pull it back on like that. And um, that's because they, they're goal orientated rather than system orientated. So if you instead in, uh, put a system in place and your system might be, well, look, I'm just going to have a good breakfast. I'm going to just make sure that I have the same breakfast every morning or the same kind of type of breakfast every morning. And this is what I normally tell uh, girls is uh, just, just have a good breakfast and then eat whatever you want for the rest of the day. Now it's a bit of a psychological trick because if you can get them to have something really healthy in the morning, it sort of sets them up for the rest of the day that, you know, maybe they won't have a Snickers for lunch that instead they're going to have, you know, a sandwich and maybe that instead of the, uh, the Coke, it's a bottle of water. They'll start doing those things themselves. So guess what? You may not lose the 10 kilos in a six week period, but it's going to gradually come off and it's, it, they're going to be in a certain shape for the rest of their life rather than just goal-orientated. So we bring that to, back to our sport. I definitely have fighters coming in, and they have a mentality of just like, okay, I'm going to just tip along in the gym, and then when I get a fight announced, I'm fighting in eight weeks' time, okay, now, now the revs go up. Now I go up the gears. Now, now every training session is super intense. And those guys, those I would call them goal-orientated fighters, they're never really going to get somewhere. Whereas a system-orientated fighter, that they have a 12-month program, and yes, there is going to be three or four peaks throughout the year, depending on where they are in their professional career. We kind of know the dates in advance. And they're going to do that for a 10-year period. That's somebody that you can sit down and say, okay, that's going to be our system for this decade. You know, we, there's, there's basically a 10- or 15-year window for them to make, make it in this, in this game. And that's got, that's got to be the approach. And, and that comes down to a micro level when we're looking at individual games, individual fights, that it's not going to be like, put this guy away in a round. No, it's going to be, you're going to do these three things in the, stand, in the kickboxing range, in the clinch range, in the, in the ground range. We've assessed your opponent, we've assessed your skills. So every time we're in one of those three ranges, we will implement this strategy, this system, and you'll just do that. And the fight might be one minute long, it might be 15 minutes long. If it's a championship fight, it might be 25 minutes long. You know, if you're playing a game, it's the length of the game. It's not, I, I go bananas for these 10 minutes and we get a great, you know, we're way ahead on the scoreboard. It's a game. It, you've got to have that system, employ it. And it was, you know, what you were saying there was funny because this is something that me and uh, Kieran would talk about a lot. And there was a very famous wrestling coach. His name was Dan Gable. And, um, he would uh, he would sit in the in the stands and he would kind of just ignore the guys and he would just keep lining them up for sprints and eventually some of them would start saying uh, you know it's, it's it's nearly midnight here when's the ending and he would have a box of apples with him at every training session and he would just start throwing apple butts at them if any of them started to kind of question what he was doing
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and uh, me and that me and um, Kieran we we would be texting each other about. He'd have run into a situation on the pitch, or I'd have run into a situation in the, in the octagon. And we'd say, oh, did you start throwing the apple horse? <laughs> because it was basically getting through that sort of mindset of, of just, you just, you try your best. And that's a, you know, that encompasses a lot, saying try your best. But we try our best for the entire yeah. game, season, career. And then the individual goals, the individual results will take care of themselves.
0: Yeah, and that's a that's a really good way of breaking it down to being system orientated rather than goal orientated. Actually, kind of, I like that as as a kind of as a summary in terms of building people up and trying to get them to buy into a program. Like we all know what the goal is. The goal is easy, but the journey and how you're going to get there is obviously the crucial component to making that all happen. Uh, And I. I'm reading a book at the moment, another book. You know, I've loads of time during lockdown. Uh, But it's Ross Edgley. I don't know if you've ever come across Ross Edgley. He swam around Great Britain 156 days at sea, 12 hours a day. And what he was kind of saying is he how he prepared to swim around Great Britain was just he broke it down to just making sure that his shoulders were bulletproof. That his body was able to take the impact of the waves. He's a five foot nine human being. He's not like a channel swimmer who's naturally big and uh, and a bit more fluid in the sea. But what he was getting at is that he prepared himself so well for just repetition, repetition, knowing what was ahead of him. So when he came to it, he was just in autopilot. And when you're staring down to the abyss, I'm sure them thoughts that crop into your head, you need to have a lot of mental strength. But what I'm getting at now is what he said in terms of, he got to certain points where the waves, there was a tide or there was a black hole that he had to go through. He was jellyfish uh, infestation up ahead. The communication from the support boat was always just very clear and very direct. You know, it was just two things, you know, you just have to swim fast, swim fast, swim faster. That was his approach. Do you see that with athletes when they're starting to tire, that you, you can't get your message across to them being a coach? like You're, you're trying to get them to do, it, like they're in a situation, they need to come out of it, but they can't retain this information that you're trying to take because their body's under so much stress. What is your communication to them? Because we're talking about players being gassed at the last few minutes. What would you be saying to your, your athletes in them situations?
1: Yeah, great question. Um, so I'm a great believer in familiarity. If you're familiar with that feeling, the lung's on fire, and then you're also being forced to think. So I'll do stupid things like when, I, when I'm when i in the gym and I'm putting them through a simulation contest and they're coming back after the third round and, you know, their vision's starting to go that because they're so tired, I'll ask them, what's your niece's name again? It's <laughs> her birthday, you know? And it's it's basically just like, because <laughs> I sometimes say that uh, MMA is like trying to play chess while being punched repeatedly in the face. <laughs> you know, you're trying to think of a move, but someone's smacking you. Yeah. Um, but I will remind them, I'll constantly, like, I just had a team session there today, and we're going into that last round. And, you know, we have basically, it's five minutes action and then one minute rest. And in, in, the, gym, in the gym, in the gym environment, I'll always do five rounds with them, even though the contests are three rounds. And um, so I get like four one-minute blocks that I can speak to them. So once the round is over, and if you can imagine a gym with like 20, you know, physical fit lads, and they're going at it, and then beep, round one ends, and I usually have music going. So I'll cut the music, and just let everybody, and everybody listen, <laughs> you know, they can kind of hear that. And then I'll say, okay, and breathe, and everybody... Okay, so what went well during that round and what can we improve on? And, you know, do you think about, okay, well, I did well. My front headlock position, my head movement could have been better. Okay, 30 seconds to go. Another deep breath. Okay, so we're going to start off the next round. Whatever you've been doing well, that's what you're going to impose in the first 30 seconds. You might still need to catch your breath. So the first 30 seconds go to safe positions. You know, we might have some – because I tell guys, you don't have to be – you're not going to have your foot to the floor for the five minutes. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be burnt. So there's spots where you do learn to take a rest. You know, there's a in a five-minute round, you will learn to take a rest. But I don't learn to take a rest while you're a meter from me and you're swinging big haymakers. And I go, okay, well, chin up now and I'll catch my breath. No, I'd I'd have to get in, in tight, put my head underneath your head control the inside of your arms. and now I chi. Now I take my breaths. Over or, or on the ground, I do a lot of grappling with Kieran McGuini. And, you know, he just, I'm never going to match him physically. <laughs> so I have to trick him. I have to put him in positions where I just have a little, thankfully I still have a little bit of technique a little <laughs> bit of in, in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So I can, I can put him in areas where he'll just and bronco for the whole time and I'll sort of ride the storm. And then my energy comes back and then, I, then I'm ready to attack again. So um, I guess I get, my, I get my fighters used to, I like when they're, when they're doing their five-minute round, I put on loud, annoying music, African drums or techno or whatever it is, because that's what they're going to hear during the five minutes of a contest. They don't have the luxury of hearing me during a round speak to them, although that's kind of happening at the moment, the UFC with no, uh, with no audience. It's, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. A very weird set of circumstances. But in general, let's be, let's be ready for that All-Ireland final day where you can't even hear yourself think. So they will have that for that five-minute period, and that's where we need simple systems. No, just in these positions, this is what I want you to do, and you repeatedly do them, no matter what your breathing is like, no matter what your level of muscular fatigue is like, no matter what your girlfriend said to you that morning, no matter what went wrong in that last play. You just implement those like a freaking robot until the end of the five minutes. When the five minutes is over, I have 60 seconds with you. You know I'm going to ask you to breathe a few times. You know I'm going to get you to calm your mind. I'm going to start speaking. In a way, you will hear me over crowds going nuts. Because I'm not going to match the energy of the crowd because that was already too much for you. And I see that with novice coaches, that they speak at the same level of the crowd. Instead of enunciating, speaking clearly, and using the same language and tempo that they've heard from me during the eight-week build-up to that contest. Huh. and All of a sudden now, everything around them goes quiet, and you can hear. And like you said, what am I going to say in between? Am I going to start teaching them techniques? If, if I'm teaching you how to block a punch in between rounds in the fight, we screwed up. are <laughs> probably in trouble here. probably going to get your ass whooped. Yeah. Maybe there's just something you're not spotting that he's continuously switching stance and then throwing a lead hook. And it's cut you twice. So when he switches stances, you throw a straight right and you keep your left hand up. Yes, you can hear that. Yes, you can hear that. Okay. Deep breath, sip of water, mouthpiece in and go out and execute that plus what we've already done for the next five minutes. I'll see you in five minutes time. High five. Off you go.
0: <laughs> That's simple, huh? <laughs>
1: That's it. And but, but, it's got to be that simple.
0: Yeah. No, but I know what yeah, I do. Even from a... Being on a pitch in Croker and there's 80,000 people, and you can't like, I can't hear what the goalkeeper is trying to say to me, but like gestures that come in, like you know, about hand on the crest means something, or like you know, on the wrist, whatever might just triggers that go into your mind. But a a lot of things that we've discussed now, it's about discipline, it's about like you having discipline about your training becoming very systematic in your approach and how you prepare yourself it's about having discipline to know when you're starting to fatigue you're starting to give up that your body's saying okay now i need to go back to doing the basics right and getting back in it's your discipline in your in terms of your communication like you know you can't just i'm sure you want to say a million things in, in that one minute window that you have but it's not it's about you know players and and, and, and and fighters have to come up with the answers themselves and understand and have the headspace to be able to do that. If you look at the current Dublin team, where I think one of their biggest strengths are, it's actually their discipline in terms Absolutely. of the how opposition set up against them uh, will go mass defense or they'll target like Dermot Connolly or they'll target Kieran Kenny or they'll try and get Philly rolled up and, which usually works, but like, the, <laughs> the, the, easy, <laughs> yeah. so like,
1: Philly, it, <laughs> but it's easy
0: to roll up. <laughs> so easy, so easy. You've give out to me now after seasons, but uh, <laughs> it, that discipline, you know, to create when it come up to something, so that fight or flight moment when suddenly you see an opposition do something that yeah, that you know is just really negative. You're disciplined to know that you've trained a certain way to get yourself ready that you mightn't break them down in the next five minutes, but over the next ten minutes you'll start breaking down that mass defense. Is that something that you look for as the biggest attribute and biggest skill from your athletes is being able to to be disciplined in every aspect of what they're doing and not get carried away with, you know, wanting to go in the beer, wanting to chase like uh, girls gear as a boys or whatever it is like you know that you're disciplined to the craft and the process
1: yeah so a few a few a few things in there i, I guess this this is not going to sound very friendly not very nice yeah I've got so many fighters that are incredibly um, disciplined and show up every day and put so many, so much energy in that that's enough for me so let's say, and this I'm sure this is just normal. Like I've got, actually at last count, I have 87 fighters on my team, which is a little bit insane. Um, at one stage, like at that 10 years ago, when Kieron started with me, I had uh, six. So I've gone from six fighters I've looked after to 87 fighters. So when you start getting into those type of numbers, guess what? If you skip a week's training, I don't have the time to chase you. I don't have the time to be knocking on your door. Um, it's you that's going to have to step in the cage, not me. And if you want me in your corner, well, I, I will have to have seen you being in the gym. I, because otherwise, why am I there? Am I there? Am I a freaking cheerleader? You know, we, we, it's a very sacred bond, I believe, between a coach and a fighter, a coach and a player. I think that's a very sacred bond because we both have to have what I would call earned faith in each other. Because when you're in that last 25% of ability, and we, we've been speaking about this, everybody's a rock star. For the first half of a game, the first half of a fight, everybody's tough. It's that last twenty percent, that last twenty-five percent, where I might be giving you an instruction that you can barely even understand. You're in that level of fatigue, but you have to have enough faith in me that you trust me and you will execute it without thought. And I have to have enough faith in you as a fighter, player, whatever you want to say, athlete that I've seen you do enough things in the gym that I know what I can tell you and what I can't tell you. And that's only earned from day in, day out for years and years and years. I really think I have to be with a fighter almost daily for five years before I start really getting an understanding of him. Yeah. And I noticed, like, I noticed that I have, now I have some pros coming from different teams around the world you know, they scene, seen, uh, you know, a couple of my guys have, have pretty good success and they walk in, and, you know, within two weeks they're saying, So let's get a fight now. We're going to go. I'm saying, I don't even know your surname yet. You know, <laughs> I don't know anything about you. But I know I'm, your
0: niece's birthday. I you need hear. to see them.
1: In- <laughs> I definitely know that. Uh, I need to, I need, to, we need to be in a number of situations in the gym. Those last 25% type games, fights in the gym. I need to be in those with you repeatedly to learn how you react to those scenarios and how I'm best at at communicating with you during those scenarios because they're the difference. You know, at the beginning, at the beginning in fighting, um, you can beat somebody just by being technically a lot better. And I know that sounds obvious. But if I get, like me now, I'm 43 and I'm, I'm in very bad shape altogether than what I was when I was 25. But still, give me a 25-year-old that doesn't know anything about my sport, and I can, you know, I can, I can outgrapple them quite easily. It's it's not a it's not a um it's it's not a in, in endurance thing. It's not a physical thing. It's just it's just purely technique. Um, but when the technique starts getting similar, you know, if you look at the early championship rounds versus the All Ireland final, it's not like you guys know a way of kicking the ball that they don't know. You know, there's no there's no big technical difference between the best and the second best. And that's the same in fighting. It's not, it's not that there's a massive difference in a technical ability between the guy who wins the belt and the guy who, you know, gave him a really good fight but just fell short. I think it will come down to most of the time having that discipline in the last 20%. And I don't think you can give that to someone. I don't think you can force somebody to do that. I am completely against the idea of willpower, I'm complete, completely against the idea of motivating. I've never been able to motivate somebody to do something they didn't want to do for any meaningful length of time. Yes, I might motivate someone to go to the gym once or twice. I give them a rocky speech and you can do it, kid, and all that. <laughs> but I can't do that every day for five years where we, so we can get some kind of meaningful improvement and skill and, and create a meaningful bond between the two of us. I can't do that. I don't have that amount of. Rocky speeches in me. I just don't have the energy for it, to be honest. That is the player's responsibility. And, you know, we both have to have our responsibilities. I have a responsibility as a coach. I got to show up every day without a hangover. I got to show up on time. I got to make sure the mats are clean. I got to make sure you've got good training partners. I got to make sure the environment in the gym is right. So uh, I'll hold my hand up if I fail on any of them. And you, as the player, you have to have responsibilities you've got to show up every session. Every session has to be meaningful because practice doesn't make perfect. Purposeful practice makes perfect. I love you've it. Got, you know what I'm saying? You've, you've got to, it's on your responsibility that at the end of the week you have made that 1% improvement. And then if I pull you aside and say, well, what did you work on this week? You know, and I, I regularly do that to my, to, to my uh, fighters, you know, like, okay, it's Friday now. We did a good week's training there. Show me two things that you either learned that were new or two things you already knew, but we improved on. And at the start, I'm kind of scratching the head. And I say, okay, just waste a week's training. See you next Friday. You know, there should be answers to that. Well, otherwise, what's the point? Um, I'm working with a, a new, uh, he's been with me before, but I've got a fighter now. And we're just starting a 10-week training camp. And um, he has a big fight in September. And I've sent him, actually, that's why I was a little bit late jumping on the call there. My apologies. <laughs> I was sending him a bunch of um, a bunch of uh, video clips from his last couple of contests, um, and it's the same two or three errors that he keeps repeating. And I'm sending him them now, so I know in ten weeks' time I'm going to show them again, and he's going to be embarrassed by them because they're going to be so elementary to him at that stage. He's going to wonder why in the hell did I ever make that mistake, and. Um, yeah, I feel like, I feel like kind of I'm I'm gone off on a tangent here. I'm no, no no. no, no.
0: Like I, I've I've been taking notes on a personal level, whatever about the show. But like, I, I like I love that idea of earning faith and and trust in what it is you're being told and what you're like trying to achieve. You know, we all have our own ambitions and goals, but unless you have someone who's bought into it and is as on the journey with you, you know, you're never going to get to where you want to be. Well you're never gonna sustain what you want to sustain. Like, you know, we can all achieve goals, but it's it's that system approach to sustain and uh, and how you get that is by purposeful purposeful practice and that was what so makes you perfect. Like I you weren't going off on a tangent. I loved that I was writing notes down myself like you know that I'll use in my rocky speeches. Uh, awesome. <laughs> actually speaking of rock, I went last time I met you it was at the... Guns and Roses gig in Slane. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I won't get into that in the club, but uh, yeah, it was, it was a great night. I
1: remember that when we used to stand in crowds. <laughs> <laughs> it
0: was a shame about the weather, but it was a good night. Uh, I, I, Slane gigs, anyway. But, but where do I want to kind of <laughs> where, where do I want to kind of finish with this? Because time is getting away from us. Is you, uh, everything that you're speaking about now is about that kind of shared vision about like you know if you're trying to achieve someone be it on an individual level or a team collective you know you have to have someone with you on the journey and they have to be bought into what you're doing and is like part of your role is when a fire comes to you and says i want to i want to win a title or i want to beat this guy do you create that vision with him on how that's going to be, or does he have that? And then you just kind of put the building blocks in place or how, how does that work? Because I'm just fascinated on a personal level to know how you can bring one fighter to a place, but then you bring another fighter to the whole whole heap of awards and a whole heap of accolades. Like just what the difference is in that. Well, I certainly asked them directly
1: and that's, usually an interesting response, just to say, well, what are your goals? And, and don't be afraid of saying them. You know, because some of them might sheepishly say, well, I'll uh, UFC one day, you know? No, what, say that, say that again? You want to be in the UFC? Oh, and, and do you want to just go there and do a couple of fights? Well, you know, maybe, maybe be a champion one day. I said, well, okay, say it loud, say it proud. And then, then I'll say to them, okay, well, I have done that with somebody, so I can, I can show you a journey. I can map it out for you, but now there's going to be accountability in there. And when you skip that session because it was your girlfriend's birthday, I can say, well, if you, you know it's kind of that NLP thing. You can look at how a champion has been during a five-year period, and I'm not saying it would always work, but if you match what they did, you're certainly closer to being getting towards that uh, goal, and I don't really like using those words, but anyway, um, than by not doing that. And I, I I will keep people accountable to what they say. Now some might come in and say, "Look, I want to just get in decent shape, and I'd like to do a fight at some stage. It's kind of a bucket list thing. Fine, that's no problem. We have a we have a pathway for that. And you know, I'll give you some markers you should hit, and I'm going to make you accountable for that. And when I when we chat at the end of the week or at the end of the month, did you hit those markers? Did you make that number of sessions? And it's very obvious who, who is saying things and then who actually wants to go
0: there. Um, J- J- sorry for coming across. you know. When that person comes in, and I, I'd imagine there's a lot of people like that that come in and say, oh, I just kind of want to lose a bit of weight or I want to get in shape or whatever, whatever, whatever. You ha- can you see the people where they have just a burning ambition that that's not really why they're there? They're just saying that, but you know, like they want to do want to get into the UFC, they just haven't got the confidence yet to do it. Do you see that in someone like is, is that noticeable to you?
1: Um a little bit. And and again, not to sound cruel, if they're not able to say it, they're probably not gonna get there. Yeah. They they must bring a little bit of that um some will say arrogance. I will say self-belief.
0: Yeah uh, self-belief
1: you know, now we can very quickly within, you know, a couple of months period, they can sit down with me and say, so what do you think coach? Have I got it? And I go, well, you did two sessions in the last two. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not. Probably not. You know, and look, I'm, I, I never, like, I'm never falling out with them or anything. I'm saying, look, I'll be, I'll be You know, I'm friends with some of these guys and I I might even go and have a few beers with them and stuff like that. But I will say, look, if we're being honest you know, we're a coach athlete relationship. No, you're you're not gonna be a world champion, you're not gonna get to that level. But you can still play and enjoy it. And I think it's important to say that, you know, and look, let's map out a ten year plan for you to get maybe your black belt and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. This is what you need to do. But if you wanna you know, it's it's it'd be like someone like me coming to you and it's Oh, do you think I could play in the uh, all Orleans next year? you know you're gonna go, Well, not really, John. Ah, but I really want to. I've you know, it's, it's not, it's, that's not enough. That's not enough. Now, you might say to me, well, it's unlikely, but let me see you do this for the next four weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks, and at 12 weeks, you sit down with me, and I've shown you some skill improvement. I've shown you some commitment, and you're going, well, actually, okay. Who knows? Maybe this might be a weird story because I gave you some markers to hit. You, you were accountable. And we were able to measure it at the end of a specified period of time. Okay, well, here's now the next 12 weeks. And I can certainly do that with a, you know, my typical story is a 20 year old coming in, and he might have a good background in amateur boxing or, or wrestling or something. And yes, he's bold and he's ambitious and he has that confidence to say what his goals are. I give him, um, I feel like I'm gonna repeat myself here a little bit, but I, I basically give him a map to follow. And I keep him accountable. And the more he hits everything that we've agreed upon together and he accepts his own responsibility, well, then the more I'm going to start giving him and the more attention he starts getting. And guess what? You know, things start to happen then. But um, there definitely needs to be a a lot of personal accountability. If you want to be playing in that top 1% of the 1%. I've never met someone in the 1% of the 1%. That wasn't self-driven. That that you didn't have to tell them. You know, don't come in on Mondays stinking of booze. I never I never met somebody that I had to do that with. That was going to get to the to the one percent of the one percent.
0: But do you, do you think that approach, you know, to get people really bought into it? Like you know, if you said to someone, look, if you stick to this, you're you're going to get to the UFC, or if you say to someone, you know. yeah, to get them really bought into it because i'm a firm believer in success breeds success like you know if you if you learn to put the disciplines in place that you have in your in your athletic performance you have accountability in terms of you know it's a team environment you don't want to let the team down yeah i think that benefits in other aspects be it business or be it uh, you know your relationship or whatever it might be but is do you use that as a motivating factor for people as well to say look let's come on this journey together it's going to be 12 weeks or it's going to be five years just say five years it's going to be five years but I guarantee you at the end of that five years not only will you be a better UFC fighter you'll also it will help you towards your business goals if you want to be, get into academics whatever it might be this will open up more doors for you have you ever kind of used that as a motivating factor or is it solely just about fighting in general?
1: Uh, so look, 100. percent So you you started off this by saying success breeds success, and we hear that a lot, but it's actually incredibly important. So if I have a, a, a beginning fighter and I only allow him spar experienced pros, he's never going to experience success. So how can I how can I get him? How can I keep that level of? Uh, 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 I try to avoid words like motivation, but that. <laughs> level of enthusiasm for training when every day you show up. You might even be trying to do the tech you might even be doing the technique correct, but you're going against someone who's whose processor is just working at a different speed to you because they've just been going for longer, they've been training for longer. It's it's it really is simple maths. And um, so I think it's incredibly important that early on I put them in situations I know they'll have success. So I'll put them with somebody who's much lighter than them maybe or I'll put them in a specific scenario that I know that they're um, going to have a successful outcome. Okay, ready and go. And three seconds later, boom, they're out of that particular hold. And you, their eyes widen and they go, wait a minute, what you told me to do worked. And I got success today. I got a, a moment of success today. And that to me is implementing a system rather than an end goal. Maybe the end goal is to be UFC world champion." But you can't kind on of day one say, okay, well, let's, let's get on to day in a while. Let's get that fight set up for next week. You're going to get destroyed. But what I can do is put a system in place that every, every – I'll try my best anyway that every training session, especially if it's a training session where they're the focus of it, that they're going to, they're going to get a lot of dopamine hits that day. They're <laughs> going to get a lot of success. You know, I'm going to put them in scenarios that I know that they're going to have a positive outcome. So we're starting to get that system in place where kind of like do what we're told we get a positive outcome. The trust is beginning to build. The system is beginning to be believed in. And these small successes that are happening daily lead to bigger successes happening at the end of the month With a spar against a guy that maybe at the beginning of the month you just could have no luck with at all. Um, Actually, just on that, I train a couple of female fighters. And one of them had a kind of a funny comment that... She looked forward to competition so that she could have some success. Because in the training environment at that time, she was the only female. And no matter how good she was doing the technique, a guy could just outmuscle her and then it wouldn't work. But when she went against a girl her own weight, suddenly she was like chucking her around like she was a doll, you know? And she was actually in competition. That was her only experience of success. So that took a certain mindset. To be able to go through that three month uh desert of just failing and failing and failing, but failing up. That's a big thing yeah, I try really. to comment We fail up to success. We don't fail down to quitting. And with each failure, and I even hate that word, we we need to kind of change our. I think we're too obsessed with like everything as winning and losing. It's no, it's win or learn You know, we're winning or learning. We're we're failing up towards success. And you can only kind of get that with somebody if they buy in early to use your terminology. And how do we get them to buy in? Well, we can ask them, but I don't think that will work. Or we can prove it to them with micro successes early on daily, weekly, monthly. And, and now, now the, now the momentum is gone. Now the wheel is spinning. Now the trust is building. Now the system is in place. And I think the end results will kind of look after themselves then.
0: Yeah. Again, i I've absorbed so much of what you said there and it ties into a quote that I read and I, and I kind of get the impression that you're probably the biggest advocate of this is that in that book I'm reading with Ross Edgley, he said, fitness is a journey we should all go on, but no one should ever finish. It kind of sounds like that you're always willing to adapt to learn. Like we, we can always, you know, like there's a new technique, there's a new approach to you know how we adapt to situations be it COVID-19 what we're doing with that trying MMA out, like trying calisthenic whatever it is you can always learn from trying something different and everything that you're kind of saying to me I get that approach that you use like lessons and I'm going to wrap up now because time is getting away from us is like but you use them lessons as really valuable learning tools and bringing people on on that journey is on self-discovery. It's not like, uh, you know, you're not taking that authoritative approach of saying you need to do this, you need to do this. You know, there's a learning journey and they have to learn for themselves to be able to go into that situation, deal with that stress that their body's under and come out of it themselves. Because again, at the end of the day, the accountability lies with you when you're in the ring and it lies with any player when they're on the pitch as well. So, Yeah, I I, I loved this conversation, John. And unfortunately, I could, I have to wrap it up, but I could talk to you again. I have about 10 more points here that I want to talk to you about. But uh, I know, look, your gyms are opening back up. You have a baby on the way. Uh, So, you know, you're after giving me more than enough time. So I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. I really enjoyed this conversation. I got a lot out of it. I'm sure any player or any athlete who watches or listens will get a lot out of it as well. So, look, thank you for giving us your time today.
1: Yeah, a- absolute pleasure. And uh, if you ever want to do it again, do it. Or if any, if any um, players are watching this, they can, they can shoot me a slide into the DMs, as the kids say. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah. You know,
0: You're the- a bit old for sliding into
1: DMs I now. I I don't do any <laughs> sliding. I stumble around the place. But, uh, you know, if anybody would like to ask me any questions on any of the topics that we, we touched on, it's, uh, I came into following um, uh, the, the, the team late, and I'll hold my hands up to that, but I'm, I'm a massive fan now. It's, I, when, I, when, I got, when you guys approached me to do this, I got such a rush that anybody would be interested in anything I have to say from such a su- successful team. So, yeah, anything at all I could do would be a massive honour.
0: Well, you may regret saying that and you could have a flood of messages in your DM. So anyway, look, uh, <laughs> I appreciate everything that you've, you've, you've done for you know all the people that have come to you in terms of the GAA and obviously your time as well, which is a crucial thing at this moment in time with, with everything you're going through and everything we're all dealing with. So look, John, thank you.
1: Thank you, brother. Much appreciated. Very much enjoyed it.